This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Time now to turn our attention to a couple of headlines uh, catching uh, attention in the region. And helping us out is Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Leslie, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Elliot. Good morning, Barty. Now, I, I, I really want to rush in and talk about this, Leslie. Crazy stuff. Najib and Rosma coming to town. What's going on? <laughs> That's actually, you know, it's it's really raised quite a ruckus in Malaysia. And I'm sure it's, it's raised equally, you know, similar consternation in Singapore too. Yes, they have been uh, granted their passports temporarily to go to Singapore to welcome the arrival of their granddaughter. Travel bans, I mean, this has raised a lot of questions. Why Najib, for instance, he's already been convicted. Rosma is facing this thing, uh, charges too. So people are wondering, you know, is this two sets of uh, standards for different people, you know? And I think a lot of criticism is being leveled at the Attorney General's office for not uh, protesting against this. So, you know, you can't blame the judges for giving it because if the Attorney General doesn't protest, then uh, the judges feel that, uh, you know, they're happy with these guys going because there's no... There's no worry about these people uh, absconding or, you know, uh, not returning, right, to face their charges. So, really, this has this has really put a bit of a dampener, kind of has tarred the Attorney General's office quite a bit. And, you know, generally, Malaysians are not happy. If you go to the sphere, you, you can see the consternation, frustration about this move, actually, to allow them to travel. But you can maybe you can hitch a ride, possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll wait for the come on my own. Actually, <laughs> it'll be a nice reunion, a gathering of sorts, isn't it? Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having covered all the developments before, I'm sure. Elsewhere in the region, Leslie, I mean, if we got down to business for real, uh, one of the biggest headlines was ASEAN's move to snap Myanmar's military leader, a big step away from its usual uh, gentle engagement methods to resolve crises with member nations. Yet Myanmar has also expressed disappointment with the decision to exclude the general. Tell us why you think it's been a challenge to get Myanmar to meet the terms of the agreement with ASEAN to end the turmoil in the country that's been going on for so long. But um, Myanmar military leaders have been banking on ASEAN's long-cherished principle of non-interference that, so they could continue to push ahead with its you know, iron-grip approach towards the resistance movement. Clearly, ASEAN feels that uh, this has got to end and it's taking a very, very different stand, believes that Myanmar must pay the price for its recalcitrant behavior. Simply put, I think being nice is no longer an option for ASEAN. And I think this thing is very, very important because ASEAN stand this time is unprecedented. And I think it reflects the group's determination to remain relevant in shaping the region's geopolitical agenda, especially at a time when China is flexing its muscles and the U.S. feels that it needs to get involved in the region. So ASEAN here, I think, is simply trying to say that, look, we are relevant and we know the old approaches don't work anymore mm-hmm. so this is this is going to be very interesting uh how asean evolves with this myanmar thing and you know it's going to be interesting times actually 
Yeah, the, the, you know, Myanmar is also on the front page of the Straits Times this morning. There's a photo with the caption, tearful reunions as Myanmar junta frees over 5,600 protesters. What is this on the back of? Is, is it, you know, bowing to pressure? Is it potentially a step towards peace of, of some sort? Well, clearly this is bound to pressure. Mm. You know, this is bound to pressure, but ASEAN and Myanmar feel that, okay, we have to make some concessions. This is clearly one of the concessions. Whether it will be enough, I don't think so. I think ASEAN will continue to pressure the junta to make more before they're ready to engage again. That's the only way. But I think this also means that citizens of other countries where there are political tensions will demand ASEAN step up to the plate too. One example is, say, like Thailand, where the opposition to the military-led government has been growing in recent months. We've seen this. So, like I said again, you know, we're facing some interesting times, and it is going to be equally interesting how ASEAN approaches all of these issues in the region. So, this non, clearly the non-interference is no longer something that's on the table. And I think ASEAN will have to, among its members, get people to... Basically, you know, start when there are political tensions, they will have to interfere. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Right, there would certainly be a departure, as you also alluded to earlier, from their usual stance. But some are speculating as to how the junta will carry itself going forward. Uh, Some are saying, could this be likened to the new Taliban in Afghanistan, which appear to be ruling with a softer approach. What's your take on this? Well, you know, the thing is that majority of the citizens of Myanmar believe that the junta wrested power illegally. Mm. So until that issue is actually resolved between the junta and the resistance movements, I don't think anything, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, any, we can compare this to the Taliban or anything like that. So I think pressure is going to remain and probably mount against the, the military junta in Myanmar. And I don't think ordinary Myanmaris are going to accept this uh, concessions, actually. They're going to demand for more. We're on the line this morning with Leslie Lopez, our regional correspondent for The Straits Times, helping us out with some of the top stories uh, around the region. Uh, we just talked about Myanmar and Junta over there. Uh, of course, that's something that's covered in the front page of The Straits Times. Leslie, let's circle back to Malaysia, in particular Malacca, uh, not for the Nonia food and chicken rice, uh, but <laughs> whoa, hungrier this morning. But I understand that there's, there, there are elections happening there. What's happening between now and, and polling day, which is on November 20th? Well, I mean, this is going to be an interesting contest. The Pakatan Harapan, which is the opposition coalition, wants to block the election because of the, of the health crisis. Okay. Uh, they've gone to court, and, but you know, few expect this court challenge to be successful because the state assembly has already been dissolved. Parties are gearing for the polls that will be held on November 20th. And it's, elect, it's an election that can, could be a referendum on the messy state of politics in Malaysia. A number of issues on both sides of the political divide here. Um, you've got tense relations in the parties in the ruling coalition, namely Amno namely and Bersatu, and the right-wing past. And also uh, will be tested, will be the ties between PKR and DAP, the opposition. There are already problems surfacing about you know, in the opposition about what logo should be used, the selection of candidates. And this is also going to be a similar situation on naming candidates. You know, do, do you have uh, multi-cornered fights? You know, can 
can these coalitions actually come together and say, okay, fine, we'll avoid multicolor fights and, you know, just have direct contests. You know? So all of this is going to be tested in Malacca. And I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, there, there are already rumblings that in the ruling coalition, particularly AMNO, that they want to have uh, national polls before uh, Chinese New Year. You know, so this is going to be a kind of a, you know, a really testing round for the upcoming general election. Like a federal election? In the next six months. Like a federal uh, election or a snap election? Yes, exactly. You oh. know, people are already talking about that. Wow. So, you know, to, to resolve this, this messy crisis, I had an interview uh, last week with Anwar Ibrahim and, you know, he cautioned against having elections anytime soon. Uh, he touted that the MOU with the, with the government was working and they've, they've managed to extract a number of concessions. But this doesn't seem to be the view in the ruling AMNO, which is, which is, you know, which has many factions and they believe that an election is the only way that they can resolve this political objection at this point. If we were to just accept the status quo and look at the mess more closely, the mess that you described more closely, at the end of the day, one might say that, you know, it's all about what the voters are looking for, what Malacans are looking for. Based on that, and considering the messiness and the fragmentation that we are witnessing, are there really any indications as to who might win? Or is that just, you know, off the table? There's just no way to tell. I think it's going to be close, but, you know, I think Malacans will be looking for a government that can come up with clear policies on the economy and how they can get back on their feet after the economy was mauled by the health crisis. Clearly, what will be tested and examined closely is the government's handling of the COVID. I think we're going to see parties really scrutinize what happened, particularly in Malacca. You know, how many deaths, how many infections, you know, were the responses adequate enough? All of these things, I think, are going to come to the fore. And this, you know, there is going to be a closer examination on the government's handling of the crisis. This is going to be, I think, the main issue. And how parties that are competing will present the kind of policies they're going to do for for the state. You know? mm-hmm. So this, these these things, I think, are going to be the most relevant. Yeah. It doesn't help that, I mean, it's on the back of, you know, IMF already downgrading its forecast for Asia. So that's exactly. the back of people's minds. Yeah. They know, right? Exactly. Yeah. We've been speaking with Leslie Lopez, our Straits Times regional correspondent. Uh, Leslie, as always, we appreciate your time. You take care and stay safe, yeah? Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, buddy. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.